All right, so today we have another special episode. This is the Christmas Eve Eve Santa Mythos Hyperanalysis Extravaganza. Due to its rich folklore and magic characters, Christmas has historically had an impact on many of the cultures in Europe and the rest of the world, and of course the United States. In fact, I'll dare even say it's a contender for one of the most enduring traditions since the Neolithic Revolution. And that might sound like hyperbole, but it's it's kind of not. You know, it's like one of those things that I don't think is actually going to go away anytime too soon. I think a lot of people do like Christmas, and you don't even have to be religious to appreciate it. So in my case, when I was a kid, we basically celebrated Christmas as a secular holiday. I cannot deny its customs and historical symbolism are deeply rooted in faith, but of course you've got the whole commercialism angle, and then you've got Santa Claus, you know, and that's largely what I'm talking about today. So similarly for me, Thanksgiving is also a secular event, and you know, I I never really did take the timeline too seriously or, you know, the origins. Sure, we could get into the technical historical facts with various people arriving historically to do this or to do that. And, uh, you know, I know some people call Thanksgiving Indigenous People's Day now and all that kind of stuff. But for me, it was mostly about family arriving for a big feast and a few of them annoyingly hogging the TV to watch some goddamn football. You know, I mean, that's that's largely what I knew Thanksgiving for. You know, I could tolerate football for a while if it meant getting some of that turkey and the mashed potatoes and stuffing. And no, I've never called it dressing. Dressing is what you put on a salad. So, you know, I I never heard much about the whole uh, scene with Jesus in a manger and the representation of the Magi. Or is it Magi? I don't know how that's pronounced. But anyway, for me, Christmas meant more about Mogwai than Magi. And to be fair, it seems people can't even agree on how many wise men actually were there. I mean, you hear it's three who arrived, but uh, there's actually some disagreement on the specific number. And really, the number of three wise men is apparently just because they had brought three different gifts. So, of course, that's... That's a little bit troublesome because obviously it might have been one person who brought three gifts. Uh, You might have had 12, 20, 100, who knows. Uh, In contrast to that, I know that Billy and Gizmo and Phoebe Cates took on Stripe and a sinister legion of gremlin pranksters and killers in the uh, classic Christmas horror film Gremlins. So, you know, I know more about that movie than I know about, uh, you know, all this Christmas stuff. And that's just the truth. That's me being honest. Anyway, uh, you know, we may officially recognize the December 25th date of Christmas as the birthday of Jesus, but there does not seem to be 100% certainty of what the actual date would have been on that either. So, you know, all of this kind of stuff is up in the air. And, you know, I've heard stuff about... 
the uh, Christmas tree actually having pagan origins or something like that. Um, and the church celebration of the Feast of the Nativity, you know, became popular in many countries throughout the world. And here's a fun fact. The early Christians referred to Jesus as Kyrios, or God or Master, or it might have been Kyrios, however, however that's pronounced. And it's said that the celebration of Christmas, you know, is about the birthday of Jesus, of course. But, you know, I mean, just like uh, St. Valentine's Day is no longer really about, you know, the saint. You know, people know more about that as like a day where you give a card to somebody or some chocolates or, you know, you try to get romantic with somebody. Maybe you're just trying to score. And uh, that's what February 14th has become about. People don't really care that it was first established in the year 496 by Pope Galatius. You know, I mean, who's really going to care that much about that? You're going to be caring more about, you know, the Hallmark holiday aspects uh, more than likely. And of course, you know, um, having the... Uh, company of loved ones or at least one loved one see i had i've got a bit of a personal story as far as like valentine's day goes because that's that's the day that i had finally agreed to go out with somebody who was asking me out it was on valentine's day and it was also her birthday so that was like a triple whammy because it was like our anniversary day. It was Valentine's day and her birthday all rolled, all rolled into one. So fortunately my girlfriend at the time didn't give me much grief about that, but man, you don't want to be in that situation. That's a lot of pressure. Cause I mean, at that point when you got three of those scenarios all rolled into one, well, you kind of have to give them some sort of gift. I mean, that's, if you don't give them some sort of gift or whatever, you're basically an asshole at that point. You know, you don't want to be such a loser boyfriend that you don't even give them one single gift. But anyway, I'm getting a little bit sidetracked here. Uh, even though I did talk about gifts and that has to do with Christmas, of course. For me personally, it's not so much celebrated as an annual festival or liturgical feast. You know, I can't, I'm an atheist. I don't really bow and grovel to any religion. So as a kid, I just opened those presents and, you know, that was fun for me. Although I, I can say that in elementary school, we had a Christmas program every season. That was actually pretty fun. Really, there were actually some of my best childhood memories at those uh, plays that we had. And, you know, we sang Christmas songs and there was actually a meal there too. And it was among the finest traditions that I kind of hated growing out of. You know, if I could, if we could have something like a Christmas pageant for uh, adults, I think that'd be fine. And even even to this day, you know, I, I look back on those um, times and I didn't I didn't hate them. So I'm actually not the biggest Christmas basher based on those memories alone. So, uh, of course, you know, this is a special episode, and it's not really an established tradition either. 
Um, but you know, we're, we're working on it. It has the quirky character of happening on Christmas Eve, Eve, and no, it hasn't happened at least since the fourth century or since this date or that it's really just part of a tradition now that is being established. So let's move on and talk about Santa Claus. I'm not even going to get slightly into the, or I'm going to get slightly into the etymology and the spelling, even though you could probably rely on a dictionary for that. But the origin of the name Santa Claus, or just Santa, is a little bit interesting. It is most certainly based on St. Nicholas, a 4th century Greek bishop, also known as the Bishop of Myra, who is the patron saint of children and repentant thieves, among other things. And he is said to have kept 3,000 children safe by hiding them in a secret chamber in his church at the time of early winter. Well, okay, I'm just kidding about that one. I just, that's not true. I don't know if he, <laughs> if he hid kids in his basement. That would sound pretty creepy. But one actual legend is actually just as creepy and probably significantly weirder than that, as it was apparently popularly believed that St. Nick resurrected three children who had been murdered and pickled in brine by a butcher who was planning to, planning to sell them as pork during a famine. So that's a pretty uh, intense tale. Well, also, Nicholas of Myra, or Myra, is credited with inspiring the popular tradition of children placing their shoes in the foyer for St. Nicholas to deliver presents into. And, uh, of course, a Red Ryder BB gun won't fit into your Christmas stocking, so that's what the Christmas tree is there for, you know, other than possibly being... Uh, a pagan symbol or, or what have you. That's what I remember hearing anyway. So St. Nick is generally considered the source of the present-day Sinterklaas figure. That's S-I-N-T-E-R-K-L-A-A-S, if you want to know how that's spelled. And originally known to the Dutch and transferred to the English as Santa Claus. Though I don't know if St. Nick was known to wear a red suit, and I don't think he was particularly fat or obese or whatever term you want to use, portly. <laughs> and really with the way these myths like to merge and snowball, maybe someday Santa Claus will be the brother of Hercules or something. And, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe Santa and Hercules will join the Ninja Turtles and warding off diabolical themes from Shredder and Krang or something. You know, a lot of these ideas, you know, they start off separate, but they do kind of merge. Like, that happens surprisingly often. It is interesting how the Dutch name Sinterklaas and St. Nicholas and Nicholas of Myra was later adapted by English speakers into Santa Claus. And actually, you know, like as a... Another weird element of this, Coca-Cola even played a significant role in developing our modern conception of Santa Claus. As their website says, this is coca-cola company.com. 
Anyway, they say before 1931, there were many different depictions of Santa Claus around the world, including a tall, gaunt man and an elf. There was even a scary clause. But in 1931, Coca-Cola commissioned illustrator Haddon Sunblom to paint Santa for Christmas advertisements. Those paintings established Santa as a warm, happy character with human features, including rosy cheeks, a white beard, twinkling eyes, and laughter lines. Sandblom drew inspiration from an 1822 poem by Clement, by Clement Clark Moore called A Visit from St. Nicholas, commonly known as Twas the Night Before Christmas. And uh, that's actually a poem that we read at one of those uh, Christmas pageants, uh, at least during one year that I was at that school. And unfortunately, that school doesn't even exist anymore, other than as like a quaint little museum. But man, I, I had some interesting and fun times. Uh, anyway, the first historical reference to Santa Claus in a Western language, or I mean in English, I'd, I should say, is the Rivington's Gazette, New York City, in December 23rd, 1773. So here's how they mention Santa. Quote, Last Monday, the anniversary of St. Nicholas, otherwise called Santa Claus, was celebrated at Protestant Hall at Mr. Waldron's, where a great number of sons of the ancient saint, the sons of St. Nicholas, celebrated the day with great joy and festivity. So isn't that nice, you know? But that is apparently the first known English language use of the term Santa Claus. So in the poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas, 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 <laughs> anyway, in that poem, Nicholas is referred to as a man from whom gifts were brought during the nights of the winter solstice and where tiny reindeer are guiding his sleigh. So keep that in mind, you know, tiny reindeer. Not everything has to be ginormous, really. And, you know, it seems like if you've watched, you know, like horror movies and stuff like they, they make Jason and Michael Myers bigger with each and every new movie just about. And uh, it seems like they want to make Santa Claus bigger, too. And his reindeer, you know, they I don't have they ever really depicted them as tiny other than the good old days of the Rudolph cartoon. Seems like they want to create them as like at, at least average sized reindeer when that poem specifies tiny. So uh, here is that poem. I'm even going to read it. And uh, yeah, this will either be the best part of the podcast episode or the worst. So Twas the Night Before Christmas. And yeah, here we go. Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes of... In hopes that St. Nicholas would soon be there. Sorry, I screwed that line up a little bit. Take two. No, we're not We're not going to do any other takes. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap, 
had just settled down for a long winter's nap. When out of on the lawn there rose such a clatter, I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter, and to the window I flew like a flash, tore, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the snow fallen, oh, the new fallen snow. God damn it, I'm messing up all over the place. Let's try that again, though. This time I will do a retake. The moon on the breast of the new fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. Again, they're tiny. They're not injected with steroids. Uh, anyway, with a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. So why the hell would Santa do that, by the way? You know, like, people are trying to sleep, and here he is, like, whistling and shouting, according to this poem. Like, isn't he supposed to be, like, a, a silent figure, kind of slinking through your house? You know, bringing stuff to to you if you've been a good boy or a good girl or whatever. and. Here he is, you know, like just being a loud, boisterous figure. And, it, you know, it, it kind of interferes with the common conception that people now have of Santa. You know, you get the idea that he's almost sneaking your freaking house. But here he is, you know, making it so that some neighbors might actually call the cops on him. But anyway, when he called them by name, he said... Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen. On Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Nixon. Oops, I mean Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. And as dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop the coursers they flew, with a sleigh full of toys, and St. Nicholas too. And then in a twinkling I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my hand, and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. So again, he's being pretty loud, apparently. He was dressed in all fur, or no, well, he was dressed all in fur, from his head to his feet, or to his foot. <laughs> I'm screwing this up. Let's try that again. Again, okay. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. Jeez. Does this happen with every house where he gets this messy? You know, I've... So this kind, this kind of poem... It, uh, it deviates from our common conception that Santa's just a magical figure. And, you know, he's not, he's not clumsy. He's not uh, loud and boisterous. But here he is, you know, he's like coming to your house, probably uh, leaving behind a bunch of ashes and suit. Suit. Soot. <laughs> anyway, anyway, the, the guy's just a mess, really. And he's got a bundle of toys he had flung on his back. And he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. 
his eyes how they twinkled, his dimples how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. Now that makes me want to actually have a cherry. <laughs> Sorry, getting a little sidetracked. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. So obviously this established that Santa Claus is a pipe smoker. So, I mean, make of that what you will. I think a lot of different interpretations are there. Like, uh, did they... Did they actually show Santa Claus smoking a pipe in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? I, I don't really remember. I'm planning to watch that later on tonight, so I'll have my memory rekindled on that one. Um, but anyway, you know, this poem does establish that Santa Claus is a fat, fat man. Because he's got a broad face. And, well, I, I guess he's got a little round belly. So he's not really that... I guess, you know, but it did shake and it was like a bowl full of jelly. So he wasn't that, I guess he was kind of like, you know, like a medium fat. He wasn't like that morbidly obese, but, you know, he's definitely packing on some pounds. It says he was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf. And I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. So he, so he put your defenses down, basically. This home invader. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, this poem kind of establishes that, you know, if somebody's invading your home, they're not always villains. So, I mean, uh, you know, make of that lesson what you will. I mean, it's right there in the poem. It's right there on the established lore. Like, if somebody's sneaking your house, even going through your goddamn chimney, like, you probably shouldn't just get your shotgun because it might, you know, be somebody who has nothing but the best intentions, right? And even if he's got, like, a list of people, you know, it might not be, like, a list of assassinations that he's scheduled to undertake. You know, he might... Might just have a list of people that he's giving presents to. So maybe you don't have something to dread with every home invasion. I don't know. That's what this poem is basically suggesting. So moving along, he spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all his stockings, then turned with a jerk and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. It's pr pretty wild, right? That's establishing his magical prowess. You know, he's sort of like the witch from Bewitched. I don't know if you even are aware of that old show, but she did stuff with her nose and she had magical powers. And in this case, Santa Claus, you know, like tapped his finger with his nose or something, something like that. And he nodded and then boom, he went up the chimney. So kind of strange. You know, maybe a bad acid trip or something. But he sprang to his sleigh 
to his team gave a whistle and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim ere he drove out of sight, happy Christmas to all and to all a good night. So that is Santa Claus yet again making a bunch of noise in the very early morning hours, presumably. And of course, one of the quirky things about the Santa Claus myth is that when it comes down to it, he's got like godlike powers. Other people have pointed this out too, so I can't claim that it's an original observation. But if you think about it, like he's got to be able to freeze time to get to all of these different houses. You know, those are like beyond ordinary powers. Like that's that's stuff that I don't think the X-Men could do even. And you know, it's a it's it's a it's a bit of an obligation really to uh have that level of power and not abuse it. But you know, Santa Claus, as that poem firmly establishes, he is a noble and kindly uh I don't know, is he a spirit at this point? What what exactly is he? I don't know. But uh, definitely some somewhat in the fleshly realm, right? I mean, he's not totally uh, an imaginary figure, according to this poem. You know, he's got the ability to interact with our world. You know, he gives us presence. And, uh, you know, it's quite an interesting mythology here. And uh, I don't really think I have much more to say about it. I'll just uh, leave it at that. And I guess, you know, you can make of this, uh, make of my takes, whatever you want. Um, but next week I will be doing what I'm going to be calling the um, year end up your rear end special. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to be talking about in my own show, like, the highlights of the year. I'm going to be talking about the analytics, you know, the the best performing episodes, the episodes that I think should have, you know, been better um, received, you know, that should have got more listens. And ba basically, you know, we're going to look at all that kind of stuff. It's going to be like the state of the show episode, I suppose, for the year of 2022. So uh, that's going to be happening next week, I think next Friday. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed what I had to say here, despite a few of my mistakes. Um, but anyway, have a good day and Merry Christmas. <laughs> I mean, ho, ho, ho. That was almost more like a sinister laugh. But anyway, that's enough for now. Have a good one.